What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kev. The Hounds lost one nothing in Indy and didn't look great doing it. Shall we talk about it? Let's go! Everything was just falling into place. Bunky Azil cuts inside. With this one, Malone. He's oh, terrific on the Steven Dos Santos from James. It's Mertz. Yes! yes. Mertz. All new intro. It's not all new, but it's partially new. Uh, I haven't heard it yet, so don't yeah. ask me if I like it or not. <laughs> Did you like it, Kev? No. So that uh, that background music uh, that you heard in place of honestly, Kev, we were talking off air. This is the first time we've ever had different background music, but it's for a good reason. So that song that that uh, that segment is actually from a local band uh, called Millpool. It's from their song. It doesn't get any better than this. Millpool is part of Lemon Tree Records, which is which is a local record label run by Bobby Smith. Bobby Smith is a fan of the Hounds, a fan of the show, and he said, "Hey, you know, would you guys ever be interested in you know using some local band music for your intro?" And I was like, "Absolutely, man!" And it sounds oh, like awesome. what he's got going on with Lemon Tree Records is very similar to sort of how we got started with Mongols, which then grew into BGN. So really exciting stuff. Obviously, with everything going on with COVID, you know, bands aren't doing live shows and and it's hard to get music out there and things like that. So we absolutely want to be able to support other local artists that are doing really cool stuff. We're going to try to get Bobby on the show maybe next week to talk a little more about Lemon Tree Records and all the cool stuff that they're working on. But if you like what you heard, uh, head over to their website, lemontreerecords.bandcamp.com. And you can actually see Millpool's latest album is there as well as a couple of the other bands that uh, that are part of the uh, the label. So really, really cool stuff. Uh, thanks to Bobby for reaching out. Really, really like the songs. He sent us a few other samples from some of the other songs. Really, really good stuff. Millpool is sort of a punk rock band. Um, really sort of fits well with the soccer, hockey vibe. So definitely worth going to check out. So yeah, cool a new stuff. tab open up on my browser now. I'm going to check that out after the show. It's really cool. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Kev, it's just the two of us. Uh, so yeah. because no the Hounds... No victory beverage opening. Yeah. didn't win. I don't have to fumble through a victory beverage opening. Uh, Josh, unfortunately, had to pull out at the last minute, but uh, no worries. He is all well and good. Um, not like, you know, I shouldn't say all well and good because after no, this sure? best game, I mean, no, I mean, he, okay, that was a really bad segue. But anyway, after the Hounds won nothing loss, uh, I know a lot of us were sort of struggling for the words and just weren't really feeling right and no joke the field was legit giving me a headache i know that feels like a whiny complaint but it was that's sort of where we're at um kev it was another one nothing lost to indy it was another goal by tyler pasher it was another moment of brilliance by him um it wasn't as brilliant as the first game yeah but i mean the guy's got speed he knows how to use it so you know, it was pretty funny. I, th I think on Twitter in the middle of the game, you mentioned like how the announcers were talking about him. Like he, you know, was up for the Ballon d'Or or something. Yeah. Um, he's fine. He, he reminds me of like a U.S. level, USL level Jamie Vardy, where all, all he wants to do is play on the shoulder and run in behind and he has the pace to do it. And yeah, he can finish. Um, I think, rightfully so the announcers pointed out i think probably the more impressive part of that play was the 
was the one touch pass that led to Pasher's goal. Right. I forget which any player um, was the one who actually made the pass. But um, look, no, I, I Indy are a good team. Um, we we looked off it. I don't. I don't know. I, it seems like the chat around the community was that we were awful. We weren't good, but I, I don't know. I didn't think we were terrible either. Um, I think there's there's a ton of small contributing factors. I think that lead to what we end up seeing. I you as a podcaster, some you know a, a commenter on the game. I hate talking about things like the field, or I hate yeah. talking about things like the ref. But there becomes a point where it's inescapable, um, and and this game is you know, the, I guess, prototype of it. And yeah, I mean, I, I think the only way we can sit here and say, well, isn't it terrible that they have to play on that field and blah, blah, blah. But I think it, it, the only way we can reasonably talk about it is if we talk to the players and be like, okay, what is it actually like to play on that field? And if they said, you know what, no, it, it's really not an effect on us. And it, it has, now obviously they would say that in like a post-match interview because you know, that's, right. that's what you would say as a player. But like, right. if they were honest and said, you know, it's really messing with me or um, it, it, from a bystander, it looks like it unavoidably does. I mean, there were so many times where, I mean, I think Justin on Twitter made the point of saying far too much in that game, the hounds were too narrow. Yeah. And it's like, and like just subconsciously, you wonder if like, you know, the, the football painted lines just give you this false impression of the, of the width of the field and you're not getting wide enough. And, um, I don't know. I, I said we shouldn't speculate on it, and then I started speculating on it. But no, I, I do think it would be interesting to ask some players. I mean, I remember I was going to ask you, you know, if you had the choice between playing on that field or playing like in Louisville's baseball stadium, you know, what choice would you or what choice would you make? But that as soon as you said, you know, we should really ask the players. I remember after the fact talking to it might have been Robbie. It was one of the players and we said like, okay, give us this, like, give us the truth. Like what, when you're on that Louisville baseball field, like, do you pull up as you're getting into, you know, the, the infield and they're like 100% absolutely. Like yeah. you, you know that you could turn an ankle and it could be bad. Yeah. That's not the case here, but the number of lines and colors that are crisscrossing and it just, yeah, it's it's not great. And you know, the the USL wants to rave about how the how the league is growing and integrity and it's so great and you keep playing on fields like this and you keep playing at baseball stadiums and it's just like it's you're not helping your case. It to their credit, it may be one of the last massive hurdles that they need to get over and we're seeing more and more teams get over it like Louisville. I mean, Louisville's new stadium is beautiful, but yeah, it's it's a pain. Well, and it's weird because like, I don't want to disparage Indy too much. It does. It feels like there is a rivalry going. So, you know, maybe I, I do, um, but they're a good team and they, they deserve to be a legitimate, like, uh, I don't know. Like, My take, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just taken out of the context, take them out of their stadium. You know, they yeah they 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 they're a good representation of what the USL is and could be and where it's going. I think from a, from a talent standpoint and from you know the skill they have and the manager they have and the way they set up and the way they play, I think comparatively when you look at them versus some of the other just crap we've seen in this league, it you know they're a reasonable level and mm -hmm. and, and it shows for beating us twice. Um and so 
and that in that respect, you want them to have the, I don't know, visuals that go with it and and kind of bring up the brand of, of the USL. And, and yeah, the stadium certainly doesn't help. Yeah, I mean, you sort of saying that there's a bit of a rivalry growing. I, to me, it almost feels like, you know, I still consider our, our quote unquote rival thus far to be uh, Louisville. Um, I feel like Louisville is an organization that I don't want to say that we aspire to be like, but I think when we look in a mirror, we kind of hope that we're more like Louisville than we are like Indy. So in that regard, it feels like Indy is that annoying little kid that's like, what about me? Hey, 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 what about me? Why don't you hate me too? And we're like, well, no, like when you actually like bring your game up a bit, like we'll hate you too. Um, and they did beat us twice. <laughs> they they beat us twice. Yes, but here's here's the argument, right? So in both of those games, Pasher scores, right? Pasher has eight goals on the season. Can you guess how many goals other players combined on their team have this season? No, I remember the the announcers talking about it. Yeah, it's what their their second highest goal score. Like they're all tied at one or something, right? Like yes, they have tied. they have seven other players that have scored and they all have one. Right. So. That means J- that 50 Jamie Vardy at Leicester. Like this oh, that's what I'm saying. Fifty-three <laughs> percent of their goals have come from one player. So on the flip side, the Hounds have ten players who have scored goals. Four of them have more than one, meaning that sixty-six percent of our goals have come from four players. So my big, my big thing again with Indy, when you sort of, it, again, this is just sort of a gut feeling, but are like, are they one pasher injury away from being, you know, probably. I, uh, like North Carolina. And so from that regard for them to talk all of this talk and just the arrogance and it's like, are the rest of you guys really good enough to back that up? And that's, that's what sort of gets me is like when you, you know, the, the, the one who especially was getting under my skin was Cameron Lindley. But like when you actually do something, dude, like then you could talk, but he just <laughs> walks around running his mouth. You could see him swearing directly at Bob Lilly. And I'm like, just shut it, man. Like you don't see any of our players doing that. And you know, in, in the post game presser, our buddy, Kevin Johnson from sock takes tweeted out that after the game, Evan Newton, their keeper called the Riverhounds dirty and KJ like followed up with them. And, uh, and, and Evan Newton doubled down on it and was like, Oh no, they're dirty. Like I, I did not see anything in that game that was blatantly dirty by the hounds compared to what was going on with Indy. And so that was just, again, another case where it felt like the little kid, like, hey, hey, what hey, what about me? Like trying to pick fights where it's like, go home. Like, no, it, yeah, you it, beat us, but go home. It was particularly frustrating. The I, I try my best to avoid talking about referee performances, but I mean, you're a, like, soccer is a physical sport. You're allowed, <laughs> you're allowed to shoulder charge. You're allowed to, you know, be next to another player and, you know, bump them. And... I, it was it was shocking. All, and, and to be fair, both ways, I, I think it's just Indy ended up benefiting from it. And I don't know, this this could easily venture into another discussion of the hounds don't know how to fully exploit that kind of darker side of, oh, like catching the vibe of the referee early and yeah. then altering their play from it. Um Indy did that and they did it well and it's frustrating and it's, it's, it's hard to watch, but there was a point, I think um, it was the guy for Indy who came on, I think when they went down to 10 men, Pasher went back to play uh, like wing back or something for a bit. And then their sub that allowed him to go back up. 
He got think- subbed on and his first challenge was a yellow card and it it was it wasn't even a foul. Like to that point I was it was it was ridiculous. And so the, yeah, the ref what there so I, I the stats say there were 29 fouls this game combined with I looked this up. I did the math. I think it was like right after the game. Um, combined with corners, offsides, and like the average expected amount of throw-ins. I didn't count the throw-ins in this game. It, it essentially equates to in this game, there was a stoppage of play every minute. And and it just doesn't flow. And that's and that's taking out goalkeepers just like catching the ball and holding it for a little bit or like players standing over free kicks or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, the game didn't flow at all um, to, to Andy's benefit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was just a lot of, sorry, my cat's meowing right now. Um, <laughs> there, there was just a lot of things that, that didn't go right. And, and Andy did a good job of making sure they, you know, they got their 11th man back via, you know, time wasting on the clock and the referee. It's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, basically it averages out. So there's a stoppage almost every minute, because I think there are times when we watch the game and, you almost just feel uncomfortable. You feel that the game, there's something off with the game. And sometimes it's really hard to pinpoint what that is. I mean, a lot of times I will, you know, specifically be looking and trying to figure out what players are doing or what they're not doing. And, you know, Justin did a really good point of, of, of pointing out that, you know, when we were up to 11, we should have been spraying the ball out wider more to try to, to, thin indie out pull them out and instead we spent too much time in the middle and i think that is something that you see but i think that stat that stoppage every minute is something that it's really hard to identify in the moment but after the fact you're like yeah that makes a lot of sense like now i'm starting to understand why it was like why was this not enjoyable to watch well yeah when you're stopping every minute yeah no nothing, team has an opportunity to do anything. Nothing got, flo- you know, nothing, nothing was flowing. I mean, th- they were, I could count on one hand the amount of time, th- the amount of moments in the game where either Indy or us seemed to string, you know, a good series of passes more than, more than four, you know, God forbid together. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it, it just, it never got going. Yeah. We mentioned, you know, we, we sort of have to talk about it a little bit, but uh, so we were 11 v 11 until about the 50th minute. Uh, Hounds got a shot. There was essentially a handball on the goal line um, by Ioze, which, well, I, I mean, so uh, for those who didn't see it, which I'm assuming you all saw it at this point, uh, basically open net, Ioze dives, it hits off his head. And as he dives, his arm is out. So in theory, we would never actually know, but it very well could have hit his head and gone in the net. But because of his positioning, it hit his head and went off his arm, which was outstretched, and then you know went out of bounds. So because of that, the ref gave him a red card. We got a PK. Robbie stepped up to take the PK, um, and Evan Newton made the save. Uh, and so, look, I to me, like PKs are one of the most difficult things to do in sports because the the when you're in the flow of a game there's a lot of times where something just clicks and you just do it but the psychological impact of having to stand there for how for you know 30 seconds and try to play the mind game with the keeper and try to figure it out it wasn't the best taken pk but at the same time like it is what it is so i mean if robbie for me the only thing you can do with penalty takers is once you get a large enough sample um 
you look at the numbers and say, okay, is that, should this person continue to take penalties? Um, I don't know if we've gotten there yet with Mertz. I know he's taken two this season and he's, you know, 50% conversion rate. I, I don't think based off of this, we pull him off of it necessarily. I, it's, I, I still wonder, I mean, it has to be like a training ground decision. Like to me, intuitively, like Forbes still should be taking penalties I, or something, but look, but, but, if, but if Robbie's hammering him away in training, great, whatever he, they like, right. they can make that decision. And him missing this penalty, it, okay, yeah, you're going to miss penalties in your in your right. career, whatever, no problem. But you know, if if at the end of the season his conversion rate's like twenty percent, and they keep putting him on penalties, well, it's like yeah, then, right. then we have a problem. Yeah, I mean, I would almost expect you know uh, that you have somebody. Both Mensa and Dos Santos are on the field at that point. Like their job is to essentially score goals. Like I would almost expect those guys to be the ones that line up to take them. But so far this season. I can't recall if they have. I know Robbie's taken two, like you said. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else. But anyway. Um, but yeah, so basically from that point on, Indy's down to 10 men. We basically had 40 minutes where we were up a man. Um, almost immediately, the, the the announcers started talking about like, just kill the clock. Kill. I'm like, there's 40 minutes left to play. Like, I get it. But like all of, like you said, the little time wasting tactics of just, you know, taking your time, slowing it down, breaking up play. Indy did what they needed to do, um, as frustrating as it was. I guess one of the stats, as you look at it, though, we talk about, you know, was this a, a, a poor performance by the team? I don't know if I necessarily say it's a poor performance because I think it's still hard to get a read for how good any team is at this point in this season, you know, when you have, you're playing the same teams over and over again, you can't really measure yourself really well. You know, we obviously beat up on two teams all the time, which makes us feel really good. But then we play a team like Indy and we're like, eh, like, is it that Indy's really good or are we just having an off day? Um, but basically while we were up for 40 minutes, we basically only got four shots off. Two of them were on target and two of them were from outside the box. So I think, that's the part that is a little bit more concerning. I think good teams, you know, immediately they move Pasher back to defense, which he played as a wing back whenever he was with us in Pittsburgh. Um, good teams are going to know how to bunker. And we've talked about this for seasons. Like, can the Hounds break down a bunker? And in this case, do you think it was, do you think it was a situation, Kev, where Indy was really good at bunkering or, we're just not that great at breaking down a bunker. Uh, but a little bit of both. I, I I don't think we're we're not a we're not a team that wants eighty five percent possession with you know over ninety percent passing accuracy, and you know just knock it just outside the opponent's eighteen for a while, open them up, and then you know score after. A, right. We don't do that. And, you know, our, I think the more this, you know, 11 group of players play together, it, it, we want to we press high. We want to win the ball back. And we want to we score quickly off of that. Um, or we, we want to we counter and, and catch teams out of their shape. I think to be fair to Indy, they kept their shape really well. They were very organized. It, it was not hard to see. There's their bank of five. There's their bank of three. There's their bank of one. I think we we have issues with that sometimes. Sometimes it's good to, to be not as rigid and to be a bit more flexible, and that allows you to press in certain areas, and that's good. Um, in this case, what Indy needed to do, they they did it well. Um, they were they were well drilled well drilled in it. 
And I think, yeah, so it's a, no, I don't think we're built to do that very well. So when teams do that against us, it's, it's rough. Um, and B, I don't, we still look tired to me. I, I, I don't, I, our, our legs still look heavy. I, th- I think, don't get me wrong. I think the way we defend with, with pressing it's yeah, it, you have to be more athletic. You have to be, you have to be fitter. And I think that, I don't know, that, that takes more out of you. I, I think there were so many times where we would win the ball back and then almost kind of look like not, I don't know. You, you, like it's such, it's such a hard way to play because not only is it so difficult and it takes so much energy, energy to win the ball, but once you do, you have seconds to, to get your mind straight, know where the rest of your players are, pass it along. I mean, the idea is you want to get it and then score within like three or four seconds and, yeah. and you want to win it high and, and score. And it's, it's a hard thing to do. And I think there are a few times where we didn't have the right people. around. I, the, the best example I always think of is uh, Ryan James and Jordan Dover in particular, while I think they're outstanding players. Um, there would be situations where they just wouldn't be getting up the field high enough. So they, you know, we, we look for an outlet out wide and they're just not caught up with us and we ended up having to stay in the middle and then we lose the ball again or something bad happens. Um, so yeah, I think that was kind of the reason was when a team does that against us, we're not particularly well suited to break them down. We're great on set pieces. I thought we had a few good chances on set pieces. I mean, we get the red card off of one. Um, you know, we could be a little bit unlucky for not scoring off of off of one in that game, but uh, yeah, it's not really our game to uh, to try to slowly break down a team. That being said, a team who finishes first in the East last year and has ambitions to go on and win the USL, when you give them forty five minutes essentially to to play against ten men, you you need to score a goal or at least put on a heck of a lot more shots than we did. So we've been talking about this for a few weeks now. The Hounds are now officially four and three. Um, are you nervous at all? No. Um, I still think we're a really good team. This was a very weird, unique situation um, that, I don't know. I it, It's easy for me to chalk this up. But the, the only thing I am worried about is legs, is, is fitness, honestly. I, I think everything else looks really good. I To me... I think the players are getting the message of how the system needs to function. I'm seeing more and more examples of, you know, we might not be getting all 11 players completely with it and moving together as a unit and buying into it. We have about like eight or nine right now, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, all it takes is one or two players to, to be out of position or not pressing the right moments. And then we look silly. Uh, I think we're really close. And, and some of the movements that I've seen is really impressive. I think some of the combination play I'm seeing is really impressive. Forbes, I I haven't seen him better. Like I think Forbes is having a, a heck of a season. I think Mertz is having a heck of a season. There's a lot of people who are playing really well. I think we're defensively, I think really good. Skylar Thomas has been great so far this season. I think you know he he did really well guarding Pasher. Uh, it's the interesting decision. I mean, it's kind of, it's it, I'm surprised it's the first time I'm bringing it up. But you know, we talked about in last week's show of. Do you man Mark Pasher or do you not? You know, we go with the decision to not man Mark Pasher and fine, he scores and you can easily say, well, there's your argument that we should have. I think we did fine. I think we actually, we kept him for pretty well at bay. Um, you know, it's one, you know, it's one of those situations where if that pass doesn't come off, you know, and Pasher isn't through on goal, you know, your, your tactical plan goes to, you know, goes perfectly and you look like a genius. So, um, yeah, I, I I think everything was about right. I think defensively looked good, midfield good, you know, attack. 
it's just one or two things off. And the, the biggest thing that concerns me is legs right now. And hopefully we, we get that as we, as we play more and more games. No, but I'm, I'm not worried. I think this team will continue to get better. And, uh, and that's, yeah, that's a good thing. It's interesting. You mentioned sort of the, the tactics with man marking Pasher. I, I was trying to think that through as we were watching the first half of the game. And I think what became apparent was whether this was the strategy or not, it seemed like what we were doing was we had sort of our three to four man back line, you know, as it adjusts from side to side was sort of sitting in a position to sort of welcome Pasher to make those through runs. But Gomez was being like ordered as the 11th yeah. guy. Like you fill that gap. So he like did a they, good job. he did. So if, if they try to play the ball over the top Gomez, that's when you jump it. Like we're going to yeah. hold our line. And if he breaks that line, Gomez runs in from over the top and or comes in from behind and cleans up. And he did. He did it multiple times and he did a decent job at it. So if it wasn't for that one goal, like you said, that could have been like tactical genius work there. So, yeah. Well, and I know that could sound pretty cheap, you know, listeners being like, well, what do you mean if it wasn't for that one goal? Of course, right. you can say that about everything. <laughs> but but it, it was a uh, yeah, it wasn't like, I don't know. The, the the indie goal I, it was it was a good pass everything went right for them in that moment and that's what you need to score goals i get that but i don't we i don't think we were completely out of our depths you know the only critique i think is maybe what i think the first ball in the sequence is a 50-50 that we lose yeah we let's win more 50-50s that's a blanket statement um, and then as soon as we lose the 50-50, we need to be sure we're on top of their players and not allowing them the space. The guy makes a one-touch pass through to Pasher. You know, so fine. I, I, but I don't, I don't think we were completely out of sorts. Um, I feel like there was one other thing I was going to mention, and now I can't remember it. If you're While you're thinking about it, I think what's interesting about this is that in most cases, when there is a red card awarded to the other team, it's something that you hope plays in your favor, right? It's 11 v. 10. I think in this case the red card actually actively hurt us because I would have loved to have seen if that defensive strategy would have played out for an entire game with Pasher up top. And I think if they were only up one, nothing and there was no red card in the box that you would have had an indie that might've been stretched more, which might've given us more opportunity to potentially try to strike as opposed to them bunkering. And now the entire game plan changes. So I think almost any time you're like, yeah, I'll take the red card and, you know, take them down the 10 men. But in this case, it would have been interesting because I think when we played, you know, Indy at home, it was a much better game. It was a much more wide open game because both teams came to play. Whereas the second half was very much like you said, it was that dark art of just waste time as much as you can. And just the frustrating mental game that goes along with that. And that's something like you said, that we just need to get better at. So, yeah. Oh, and uh, I, I get your logic, um, but I'll still stay with anytime you have 10 men for 45 minutes, I'll take I, no, no matter what the situation, I get what you're saying though. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean the freaking dark arts of it all. My God, I felt so bad for Dos Santos. I mean, he was like, he was just being the good physical, you know, target forward that you want. And it was just a joke how the ref was calling it yeah it was yeah it wasn't great yeah don't mistake this i next time we go to play in indy i am not looking forward to that at all because between the field and the announcers and just the the 
arrogance and smugness that comes from that team it just drives they don't have collars i thought they were gonna have collars they didn't wear they didn't wear the jerseys with the collars they wore the indy 500 inspired jerseys which it seems like this team spends more time paying homage to the other teams and sports in the city um you know with the colts logo in the middle of the field but uh you know whatever man you you do you so um so yeah i i still don't consider them a rivalry it's just someplace that i really hate like playing and watching and i ironically enough i i made this and i put this in the notes and then we can move on i get the sense that pasher might actually be the nicest guy out of that whole crew like <laughs> everybody else is constantly yelling and chirping and doing whatever when pasher scores he's not like mocking anybody he seems to like just keep his mouth shut and is just like i'm just doing my job and it's like yeah. it's it's hard to hate somebody like that You'd have um, him back in a second. Oh, it's yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But uh, but the rest of the team, man, no, nah, no, thanks. Uh, no, I don't mind them. I like I said, I I don't mind teams like that, especially like if if they're your team or if they're on your, you know, if oh you're, yeah, if playing for you. You're like, oh yes, like yeah. <laughs> you just love it. But uh, but yeah, no, it's it can be infuriating to watch for sure. Yeah. All right, so so to sort of wrap up that discussion, it sounds like we're not nervous. Um, this was just sort of a, a perfect storm of crap that we stumbled into. And, uh, and, you know, we got two chances. We're going to talk about two chances to sort of make up for it this week, which puts us in an interesting situation. But before we get there real quick, Kev, I wasn't sure if you saw this, but I think we all sort of assumed that the U S open cup was going to be canceled. It is now official. The U S open cup has been canceled. This will be the first time in the tournament's 106 year history that it will not be played. Um, like I said, we all sort of suspected it was coming. Do you have any thoughts on the U.S. Open Cup not being played this year? I mean, it would be difficult to try to do, given the resources that the league has, um, or it's the entire you know pyramid structure of of U.S. soccer. So no, it's it's at the end of the day, it's it's weird because I want to say it's probably the right decision, but at the same time, you can just be like well, there's other leagues going on. Like, why couldn't, you know, you could figure out a way to do it. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, for me, there was, there wasn't a right or wrong answer to it. Clearly. I'd probably lean towards, yeah, let's, let's not push it. We don't need more reasons to gather or whatever. Um, but, uh, but no, it is, you know, that's, that's not a stat you like to hear. Like, okay. and it's over 100 year plus history. This is the first time. Um, but you know, 2020 is going to be remembered for a lot of things. And I guess you can just add this to the list. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's tough because I think the thing that we love about the open cup is also the thing that could have potentially led to its downfall, right? You have both MLS and USL that are, um, leagues that are trying to be responsible because they're trying to get some semblance of money out of the season and make the season run. And what you're, what they ultimately end up doing is they have to be extremely careful with how the players are, are interacting with other people, with other teams, you know, MLS did the whole like bubble thing. Um, USL is trying to be extremely careful with, you know, where the players are going, making sure they're testing constantly. And when you start introducing you know, amateur teams into that and you start having amateur players that could potentially impact, you know, a, a, a financial situation for a league because you're playing in this tournament against them. It, 
you, you sort of have to just sort of look at everything and say, is this really worth it? And, um, and unfortunately I think in this case, I think they made the right call. I'm with you. Like I, I, I would have loved to have seen it still happen. We always love watching the U S open cup, but in this particular scenario, it's 2020, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. The, I, when we look back on all of the stuff that went down this year, I think missing the U.S. Open Cup is going to be pretty far down on the list yeah, of things for sure. that, uh, that uh, we're going to be worried about. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, with that said, so I was sort of alluding to this. We are back to a two game week. And, uh, Kev, you were just sort of talking about the heavy legs. So we just played on Saturday. We traveled to Loudon on Wednesday at 7 p.m. And then we are back at home against St. Louis FC on Saturday at 7. So we're, we're <laughs> before I ask this question, just to sort of set it up, Loudon is currently sitting on four points, not had a great season. So to play them midweek at Loudon, uh, you know, you you, you want to get the points. St. Louis, they're currently second in Group E, and that's the group that has Indy and Louisville. And they've actually beaten both Indy and Louisville so far this season. They also lost once to Indy, but they beat them the most recent time that they played them. This is this is is that, is that away at St. Louis or home? Uh, at home, we played home okay. at St. Louis. So okay. you know, the return of of Toby Atawale. Um, I believe Kyle Morton is there as well. And Kyle Morton is climbing the ranks of, uh, of goalkeeping stats in St. Louis. So how do you approach? I mean, this almost feels like a, an open cup situation where you sort of play a team that isn't that great midweek and you got to keep an eye towards the better team on the weekend. Loudon is part of our group. St. Louis is not, but um, it sounds like, uh, well, first of all, when it comes to making the playoffs at the end of the season, they're not taking into account just your group's games. They're taking account all games. But one of the other things that we learned this week is that if there are games that can't be played because of COVID, the backup stat that they're going to use to determine the top leaders in each group is points per game. Um, so that's just something to keep in the back of your mind. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. It was just something else that I forgot to mention earlier. So keep an eye on that because that's pretty interesting. Um, how do you approach this, Kev? I mean, you just talked about how the team looked like they had heavy legs on Saturday. Now we got Loudon on Wednesday, and we got St. Louis on Saturday. So what do you do? I, I I think I weirdly approach. I think initially when you started talking about it all, I was thinking just get get in and out of Loudon with the points any way possible. You can play terribly; it doesn't matter. Just get the points and get out and focus on St. Louis. And the more I thought about it and the more you talked about it, I, I I'm, I'm kind of switching on it. I think for, for a few reasons, one that the, the starting 11 that played for Indy, it's undeniable at this point for me, that's our starting 11. That's our preferred 11. That's if, you know, if everyone's healthy and fit, that's the 11 that, that Bob's going to start. Um, and right. You know, as they should, they, like they're, they're not going to be happy with that performance. Like, I don't think anyone sa- would walk out of that game saying, no, I thought, I thought I played well, or like, I thought we played well. And, and then any professional, you want to get that bad taste out of your mouth. You want to get back out immediately and, and put it right. Um, Loudon is a good team to put it right against, um, you know, it, and so this could be an opportunity to shake off a bad taste in the mouth of, of losing to Indy. Um, in the way that we did, uh, score some goals, score some points, get everyone, you know, get everyone feeling good again. Um, and then almost treat like St. Louis, you know, we're back at home. We play better at home. 
we seem to have more energy at home. I, this could be just complete bias from from how I see the game or from how I watch the game or whatever. But it does seem like we're, we're we we press better at home. We 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 play better at home, and so that that could be an excuse to say, you know what, you know, maybe some of our second string, they're not second string, but squad members can can slot maybe in easier in in a game like that, even though it's a more difficult opponent, arguably. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know, and and like I said earlier with the with the tired legs thing, I'm I'm to the point where I think the the only way we get out of it is actually by just playing more games. So and, and instead of like trying to build up fitness in in training or whatever, using the games to build up your fitness, I I tend to think that's probably what Bob's doing. Um, I I could be making this up, but I I recall hearing him say that in some interviews or something. Um, so this could be a reason. Fine. All right. Let's build up your fitness again. Play a midweek game. I, I would almost go if if like the physios would recommend it, if Bob would recommend it, I would start the same 11 against Loudon and then look to take some of the more, like higher runners um, out of the starting lineup against St. Louis. Uh, keep it tight. Press well against St. Louis and then, you know, look to to bring on some of the heavier heavier hitters back into the squad uh, or back into the starting lineup against St. Louis uh, late in the game. That's my plan. <laughs> I like it. No, I like it. Okay, so the Hounds are currently four and three, which is not super. Um, are we above 500 by the end of this weekend? Yeah, yeah, I think we are. So you think we got at least a win and a draw out of us? Yeah. What, the only way that we're not is if we lose and draw. Or lose and lose. Right. No, I mean, to get above five, we'd have to... Yeah. We can draw and draw. So We're above, above 500 right now. What am I talking about? I yeah. can't do math. Yeah. Math is hard. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm, I'm like giving my kids workbooks to like get them ready to get back to school. I should be using the workbooks. Yeah. Never mind. Um, okay. So, yeah, you're not you're not concerned heading into the weekend. You think you think at least a win and draw is... is you think four points is on, is on the table for us? Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to, I'm pulling this, trying to pull this up quickly. Um, I mean, we've, have we bounced back? Well, um, so the, the last time we the scene. I would say the last time we lost to Indy, we then turned around. Uh, it was a short week. We lost to the Red Bulls two to one in that crazy right. PK at the end of the game game. Right. After that, we beat Philly two four nothing. And then we beat Red Bulls four to one. Um, so we did have a bounce back, but it wasn't after it wasn't until after that short week was officially over. Well, and this is a good point that I, it wasn't until you talked about it and I put up the schedule again in front of me. And now that I'm looking at it, this is the first game where, you know, we didn't lose it in the dying seconds of the game. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the only other losses that we have, we essentially lost it in stoppage time in the 90th minute. Mm -hmm. So. Yes, we're four and three. We've had three losses. Um, but it, yeah, I think that combined with, you know, I think we're playing relatively well. I, yeah, I, for me, the wheels are not off. They're like, the, we're not, we're not just out of control going down the track. I think, like, I think we're still fairly okay here and, and we're playing pretty well. And so, yeah, it'll be important to bounce back. And, and I think Loudon is, is a good time to do it. Good. Just so everyone's aware, we have sort of a weird stretch of games here for the next uh, like two and a half weeks before we get into a steady just every Saturday for the rest of the season. So basically, we have Loudon on Wednesday. We have St. Louis on Saturday. Then we have Hartford on Friday, 
followed by Loudon again on Tuesday. So it'll be like this weird, like after this game against St. Louis, we won't have another Saturday game for basically two weeks. Um, but then after that, at the beginning of September, um, September 5th on, we'll have nothing but Saturday games. Um, so especially in the, in the time of COVID, I am well into a Friday night game. Like I'm not going anywhere Friday night, kick back, just put, put the hounds on the TV. That, that sounds great to me. Yeah, for sure. So I guess Kev, give me, I'm guessing we're not going to get a, a preview show from, uh, Justin and Steve here prior to Loudon. Give me a score prediction. What do you think? It's, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever been right on a prediction. <laughs> I think, I think last week, I think last week what I predicted a one, one or a two, two draw against Indy. Um, look, everything, everything on paper and everything, you know, logic says that, yeah, we're, we're a better team than, than, than Loudon. Um, I don't think our four, three record is a great reflection of how good this team is. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, we have players that are having good seasons. I think they're clicking well. Um, so yeah, to, to, there's no, there's no reason. All the percentage points to me say, suggest a win for us. Um, and I think a, a loss would be pretty shocking. And I would, uh, if we, if we, you know, I, I know we're not going to, but if we recorded in between a Loudon and St. Louis game and we lost that Loudon game, I think that would be the first time this season where I'd start to be kind of concerned about the direction we're going to. So, I, I the whole must win thing. I I still don't want to use that language or whatever. But um, but I think the win if we didn't win, if we lost this game, I think it would the biggest time wouldn't necessarily be the points dropped. It would be the kind of psychological aspect of it of losing two, two games in a row, losing a game against Loudon, a team that we really should be beating. And you know we're getting to the point where we're, you know middle of the season we can't we can't be sluggish at this point. We need to start you know speeding up. So you're predicting a win at Loudon. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think will happen? I'm also predicting a win at Loudon, but I don't think it's going to be crazy like, you know, the Philly games. Um, I think it might be like a two-nothing win. And like you said, it's it may not be pretty, but it's you sort of get the points um and you get it done. And uh and we'll see who said one other highlight I I failed to mention about this past game with Indy. Mark Lindstrom saw his first minutes of the season came on after sort of having an injury. Dude looked pretty good. So we'll we'll see as he makes his way to to game shape. We talked to him in the offseason. Seems like a pretty cool guy. So uh, you know, best of luck with him getting healthy and getting some minutes. I think we'll do well against Loudon. St. Louis is the one that I'm a little bit more nervous about. Um, because I think you're gonna have some guys that have the inside track after being with this team for a season or two. Um, you know, I think Toby was like the most senior guy on the team after being here for three years before he left. So like knows Highmark, knows what to expect, can sort of pass it on to the rest of the team. Um so yeah. Yeah, St. Louis will be a more difficult, obviously. And I I think it'd be after a midweek game and you know, not entirely clicking yet. Um, I think a draw would be perfectly reasonable and fine, um, especially if we put in a good performance. If it was two, if it was two good teams matching up against each other at a high mark and we get out of there with a draw, I think it'd be fine. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm just glancing really quickly. Sorry, no, the, St. Louis does not have a midweek game. They they just uh, beat Sporting KC three to one on Saturday, so they'll have a little bit fresher legs. So it'll be interesting to see what the tactics are coming into that one. 
Lily knowing that, you know, A, we're at home, but B, we just played midweek. So how do you sort of weather that storm? But uh, yeah, that is what we think. Let us know what you think. I think a lot of people were expecting doom and gloom. It's not all doom and gloom. It wasn't fun. It was not fun to watch. It was a terrible. This was the worst game of the year to watch. Um, yeah, it. this was field. The field played a part. Andy. Uh, yeah, the way the, we talked about it, the way the game played out, played a part. It, it was tons of stoppages. One team defending for their lives for half the game. And yeah, let's let's move on and forget about this game. <laughs> yeah. So let us know what you think. Uh, you know, and I think, I think that's it for this one. Um, thanks everybody for listening. This is your weekly reminder that black lives matter. So make sure you go get the latest steel army shirt, love Pittsburgh, hate racism, black lives matter over at SteelArmy.com. Wear your damn mask. Uh, we're getting, you know, I already mentioned we have the Mongols mask. If you're interested, let us know on Twitter. Um, we may get a second set. Somebody suggested that, uh, maybe instead of going with the, 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 look and feel of the hounds black jerseys that maybe we get the gold ones so get the yellow with some black stripes on them that could be really cool if we do a different order so if you're interested let us know um potentially we'll get some more otherwise thanks to our sponsor roughneck scarves official scarf supplier to usl mls and us soccer get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com or masks tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from nike and adidas looking for a unique completely custom kit for your youth club sunday league squad adult or even pro team Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. If you're looking for more great USL news, head over to BGN.FM. I mention it every week. Tons of writers, tons of podcasts. Hugh Roberts and his shows uh, basically talking all about sort of the, the black experience in soccer in general. He's having coaches from MLS and USL on to talk about their experiences coming through the ranks. Um, as, as sort of black coaches, it just absolutely crushing it. You have to go check that out. Um, if you haven't thus far, bgn.fm, um, lots of great stuff there. Otherwise, I think that's it. Thanks everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers.